Man, after watching the Queen's funeral for like 42 hours straight, I'm going to be honest with you. They probably need to start planning King Charles's funeral right about now to make sure, make sure they get all that stuff uh, done in time. What's up? This is Marque Saves the Republic. Thanks so much for being here, man. Again, and, I, and again, I know it's been a long time since a queen has died, since this queen's been ruling for like, she was like, it's been like almost a, a century since there's been a royal funeral. And that's why they're really, um, you know, they're really going all out. But uh, it's interesting. And I've never seen a royal funeral, like I said before, nothing of this magnitude. And um, I hope that I don't have to see one again for a very long time because it eats up a lot of it eats up a lot of valuable broadcasting uh, minutes. Well, anyway, anyway, I don't want to talk about the ruler so-called or the, you know, f the figurehead ruler of the royal family or Great Britain. What I want to talk about is the ruler of the United States of America or by ruler. I mean, chief executive, because we don't really have a ruler, or at least we're not supposed to in this country. And uh, I don't even want to talk about the current one. You know, the one that's the one that's rolling around saying the pandemic's over. And we're going to invade uh, China if they invade Taiwan, all those other all those other things. No, not that guy. I want to talk about the one coming up in 2024, because it really seems like there is a ramping up of potential Republican candidates in 2024. I don't know if uh, I don't know if the Mar-a-Lago raid has scared everybody or made everybody think Donald Trump is scared to run. I don't know if this pending indictment that I keep hearing lawyers talk about. Oh, you know, there's a, this could be the pending indictment. Donald Trump could be indicted at any day. Every every time I, I go on the Drudge Report or go on Twitter or something, there's some new legal expert saying, yes, Donald Trump was made aware that, in fact, this uh, this storehouse of documents could potentially lead him to some kind of legal trouble. In fact, if you go to Drudge Report, here are the headlines on the Drudge Report. After, of course, you get off. I mean, all there's all the Queen stuff. It's like Queen, Queen, Meghan, Meghan, Harry, Harry, Queen. And then um, it says Trump warned late last year of potential legal peril over documents. Next headline, Laura's lawyers acknowledge Mar-a-Lago probe could lead to indictment. Uh, next up, the Don asks QAnon to stand back and stand by. That's a new one. I got to read that story. In fact, let me click on that real quick. And that's a good headline. Actually, That's a good headline because it made me click. It's from the spoke uh, spokesman review, which is in Spokane, Washington. Uh, Trump asks QAnon to stand back and stand by. Luckily for her, Rebecca Lannis wasn't home when her father shot and killed her mother and severely wounded her sister earlier this month, so she was able to help offer one explanation for the otherwise inexplicable act. Her father had collapsed into the world of conspiracy theory after Donald Trump lost the 2020 presidential election. That includes the conspiracy known as QAnon, which Lannis in a Reddit post blamed unequivocally for muddying her father's mind. It's like he got possessed by a demon. She wrote, uh, the FBI assesses, assesses anti-government, identity-based, and fringe political conspiracy theories very likely motivate some domestic extremists wholly or in part to commit criminal and sometimes violent activity. So now Donald Trump's being blamed for this man killing uh, his wife in her house. Anyway, so that's, I, I, I didn't read the whole story. I don't have time for it. Um, I'll get to it later. But apparently somehow the Drudge Report believes that story is important enough to share because Donald Trump is now asking QAnon to stand back and stand by. Now, in the midst of all of that, here there's a bunch of other people who are lining up, lining up either either um, is directly or indirectly to run for president for the Republican Party for the Re uh, Republican nomination in 2024. Of course, the most notable is Ron DeSantis. Pardon me, I just burped. And the most notable is Ron DeSantis. Florida governor, 
He is the second most popular Republican after Donald Trump. He's the second most likely to get the primary nod after Donald Trump. He's been in the news. I mean, he he's owned the last news cycle. In fact, I saw another story yesterday that Donald Trump was furious that Ron DeSantis kicked him out of the uh, the headlines. Ronald, Donald Trump was fuming that his Mar-a-Lago document news story was no longer number one. And Ron DeSantis flying migrants to Martha's Vineyard had uh, had usurped it. Also, I read a story that Donald Trump was angry because it was his idea. Originally, Ron DeSantis stole it to make a name for himself. And now Donald Trump wants the credit. I read all these things so you don't have to. But those are the headlines. That's the narrative. They're trying to drive a wedge, of course, between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Uh, not just the friends and the allies, but, you know, Donald Trump lives in Florida. Ron DeSantis lives in Florida. And one of them potentially could be the the Republican primary nominee in 2024. Um, so there's that going on. That's uh, Ron DeSantis is indirectly running for president. Ron, there's two ways to run for president. The first way you run for president is to just uh, go out and say, guess what, guys, I'm running for president. Guess what, guys? I'm the best person for the job. Nobody else can do it. Guess what, guys? I'm arrogant enough and egotistical enough to think that I'm better than anyone else in the entire country at running the entire country. This is the Gavin Newsom approach. This is the Beto O'Rourke approach. Pretty much, in fact, a lot of people that run for president, they 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 basically use that tactic, um, especially if they're not holding any kind of political office as it is. So that is exactly what's going on with a lot of folks. Uh, then there is, then there is, the indirect approach and the indirect approach is I think more effective. Um, well, okay. That's not true. It, it's more effective depending on the candidate and the office that you hold. Ron DeSantis is indirectly running for president. The re the way you indirectly run for president is by getting elected governor of a state, a state that could be considered a microcosm of the United States and just slaying it at that job. The way you run indirectly for president is by getting the job that's like the next level down and just killing it so that people are like, well, if that guy's killing it as governor of Florida, imagine how amazing he would be as president of the entire United States. All these other people in these other states like Michigan and, and California and New York, they're all going, I want a governor like that. I, I'm never going to get one because of all these you know idiot blue state liberals that live around here. But maybe if he were president, maybe that would make my life a little bit better. And I wouldn't mind living so much in this, in this blue state hellhole, um, you know, like, like Oregon or, or Washington state, uh, if I had a governor or if I had a president rather like Ron DeSantis. And so basically, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the farm league governor's mansions are the farm league. A lot of people think that the Senate and the Congress is where you go to find your presidents. And that's the worst thing you can do because the role of governor, the job of governor is a mini president. And by, by being governor for four years or eight years or however many years you're, you're governor of your state, you learn more about how Washington works. You learn about, um, you know, being a chief executive. You learn about working with these agencies. You learn about writing executive orders, what you can and can't do. You learn about negotiating with the two different parties because you have to go and work with your, your local state representatives, your local state senators, your congressional delegations. You got to get stuff done in your state. So when you go to Washington, it's basically the same job on a bigger scale, scale with higher stakes. Same job, bigger scale, higher stakes. And if you look back in history, you'll see that the best, best presidents that we've had in the last 20, 30 years have all been governors, not senators, not congresspeople. In fact, the flip side is that senators and congresspeople make the worst presidents historically. First of all, very few of them ever get elected to that position. But look at, for example, well, the current president, Joe Biden, 
Joe Biden is a senator, or I'm sorry, was a senator for 30 years, and he had, has no idea how to work with Republicans. He has no idea how to work in a bipartisan nature. He has no idea how to be a chief executive. He's been, he's been falling. I mean, look at what happened in Afghanistan. That right there shows that he, has, he knows nothing about law enforcement or military or foreign affairs or anything like that. When it comes to negotiating with Republicans, he, can't, he couldn't get any of his legislation done. He had to go, I mean, the majority of the votes that have been passed in this last year and a half or year and eight months have been 50-50 votes that Kamala Harris has had to tie break. And she even heralded that. She said, you know, guys, I just broke John Adams' record for casting the most tie-breaking ballots. Again, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. That means the president is not working with half of the country. That means that Republicans and Democrats are not working with each other. That means that that Joe Biden doesn't know how to work together in a in a um, manner of compromise to get things done for the American people. Why? He was never a governor. He was always a senator, and his job was to just go and represent Democrats. He's he's a professional Democrat, that guy, and that's why he sucks as president. Barack Obama, same damn thing. Barack Obama wasn't even a senator for like a week and a half before they threw him into the presidency. But they're all these, they're all these hyper-partisan people who are there to try and argue their side, argue that their side is better than the other, and, and stonewall, um, and so they never get anything done. That's why governors have been great presidents. Uh, you look at Ronald Reagan, governor of California. Uh, George W. Bush, a lot of people say, Texas. Um, even, look, I wasn't a big fan, but Bill Clinton was popular. He uh, was effective in, in many ways. And he also got elected to two terms and he was a governor of Arkansas. He was not a senator at all. Um, so that's that's one of the things that happened. So Joe, Ron DeSantis has gotten the job of governor of one of the most prominent states. Uh, he's gotten the job of as governor of one of the states that most of most most reflects the rest of the country. And he's killing it, doing the best job ever, getting national acclaim, getting national praise. The people here in, in his state love him. He's about to be reelected in probably a landslide. And everywhere you go, it's just DeSantis, DeSantis, DeSantis. Now, another guy who's doing something similar is Glenn Youngkin. Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, you may remember him. He beat Terry McAuliffe. He came in, he, he uh, campaigned on parents' rights and education, that kind of thing. Destroyed the election. Um, it turned Virginia red again and is doing a bang-up job as the governor of Virginia or the mini president of Virginia. And now, guess what he's doing? He's flying out to Arizona. He's going to host an event with Carrie Lake. To help her get elected, he's going to a couple of other swing states. A lot of people would are already saying, "Wow, is Glenn Youngkin uh, running for president in 2024?" Well, he's going to need to. You know why? Because they don't have two terms uh, for Virginia governors. You can only serve one term as a Virginia governor. One, I'm sorry, you can only serve one term at a time, meaning no back-to-back terms. That's why Terry McAuliffe was able to run again. He lost. Uh, he was the former governor of Virginia. He, you can't run again for a second term. You have to sit out at least four years, and then you can get elected again. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, that's exactly what's going on with, with Governor Youngkin. He's going to serve his four years, and he's going to need a job. And he's thinking, hey, you know what? I could be an effective leader um, of the Republican Party and maybe potentially even president of the United States. So he's killing it as Virginia governor, and now he's setting the stage for what happens after his first term as, as governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, those are two guys that are indirectly running for president. There are other people who are more directly doing it. One is our old buddy, Ted Cruz. 
from uh, Texas. Ted Cruz is also planning to go through, run through some swing states. He's already lining up ideas about, hmm, how am I going to run for president? Hmm, where's my support going to come from? Ted Cruz already ran for president. He did a fairly decent job. He got pretty far. Uh, He's in Texas, another big popular state that a lot of people think is kind of a microcosm, although calling Texas a micro anything is a real misnomer. Um, But, you know, the interesting thing is that you've got all these candidates, their names are being thrown out there or they're throwing their own names out there. And you have to sit back and think to yourself, wow, are all of these people getting emboldened by this Joe Biden investigation, this DOJ and FBI raid of Donald Trump or all these negative headlines that the media is putting out there? Are they effectively inspiring these folks that maybe were thinking of running for president down the road on the Republican ticket now maybe thinking, hey, I have a chance in 2024. And I think the answer is undoubtedly. I mean, look, Ron DeSantis, he's just going to do his job no matter what. He's like, I got to be the best governor I can be. And he's doing it. He's like, I have to get, I have to run for reelection. I've got to get reelected in 50 days. Uh, what can I do to do that? And, and he's doing it. Uh, you know, Glenn Youngkin, he's out there running the state of Virginia, doing a great job, but now he's also supporting other candidates, other ultra MAGA conservative candidates, other candidates that were uh, promoted, pardon me, and endorsed by Donald Trump, like Carrie Lake in Arizona. I mean, that's going to be when she wins in November and she will, she will win the, uh, the uh, uh, gubernatorial race in Arizona. Um, if she doesn't, then definitely, definitely call in the investigators and take a closer look at those voting machines because all signs point to her dominating um, in about in about 49 days. But if that's the case, then he's building up a coalition of other like minded governors, other like minded governors who are conservative uh, that may or may not be able to help his cause and who also are friendly with Donald Trump. Um, so it, look, it's an exciting time. Donald Trump said he's probably going to run, even if he's indicted, that's not going to stop him from running. And if he's indicted, he's probably going to need to run because he's then going to need to like, you know, hand out some more pardons to himself. Uh, but the, but the stage is widening. And I have a feeling that a lot of these Republican politicians, maybe to their detriment, maybe mistakenly, a lot of these Republican politicians, um, Ted Cruz, for example, and there's a couple of others who are starting to make waves, you know, Chris Sununu, in New Hampshire, who's an anti-Trump. He's like a never Trump or Republican governor over there. But again, very popular because it's New Hampshire and it's a it's a purple state. Um, that guy's out there and, and he's starting to test the water as well for a presidential run in 2024. There's going to be a bunch more. And the more of these negative news stories that pop up, the more of the anti-Trump rhetoric coming from Joe Biden and the White House and the DOJ. Look, I don't believe any of that crap. I don't believe that the DOJ isn't a political animal. I don't believe that the FBI didn't raid Mar-a-Lago because Joe Biden ordered them to because he was afraid that the uh, midterm elections were out of grasp and that Donald Trump was going to win the primary and the and the presidential election in 2024. I don't doubt any of that. I think that's probably true. I, I believe that the media, I mean, we know that the media is still in the pocket of the Democrat Party and they are their propaganda machine. They're the ones that just 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 create and 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 spread these lies every single day. As a political means, you know, because like, hey, hey, uh, your buddy needs help uh, controlling the MAGA crowd. Okay, no problem. We'll run a bunch of negative stories. Okay, no problem. We'll put your your nasty, angry speech from the Independence Hall on a Thursday night. No problem. You know, the media, the Democrats, Joe Biden, the DOJ, the FBI, they are all against Donald Trump because they're petrified of him. And the last thing that needs to happen is for prominent Republicans to jump on that and seize that as an opportunity to push themselves forward politically. But I think that's exactly what happened. Again, some of them are just indirectly running. 
Some of them are just doing great at their job and people are looking around going, we need to promote that guy. That guy's good at this little job. Let's give him the big job. But there's others out there going, now's my time to pounce. And those are the ones you got to watch for. Those are the real uh, opportunists. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Listen, a couple things before we go. There is a bunch of stuff at markkshop.com that I want you to be aware of. The Mar- Remember Mar-a-Lago shirts. Uh, I'm wearing one right now, by the way, if you're, I mean, if you're, I don't know if you're peeking through my window. I don't know if you can, if you can somehow see me, I'm, I'm decked out my um, remember Mar-a-Lago hoodie, uh, but also we have more of the Catriot official Gerber knives, which are made for great Christmas presents. They make for fantastic gifts. They make, uh, they make great, you know, it's a great gift for you. In fact, I, my email newsletter today that you can get at markk.com talked all about how, when you go to a gun-free zone, you should carry a knife. And, uh, and I'll, I show you exactly how how I've been able to do that and how I love carrying my Catriot knife as my go-to EDC. Also the hats, the trucker hats, very few left, but if you haven't grabbed one yet, you got to cover up that head with something good looking and nothing is, nothing is, is, is sharper looking than a, uh, a, a gray and black trucker hat with the Mark K show logo embroidered um, on the left front panel. It's really stylish. So take a minute today, go to markkshop.com. That's markkshop.com and grab yourself something pretty.